The views expressed on this program are not necessarily the views of this station. Content is for educational purposes only. Consult a financial advisor or conduct your own due diligence if investing. The show is pre-recorded. Everyday Wealth is produced and created by Edelman Financial Engines and hosted by Gene Chatsky. Ms. Chatsky is not an employee or client of the firm. She receives fixed cash compensation as host and for related activities, and therefore has an incentive to endorse Edelman Financial Engines and its planners. For additional information, please see www.edelmanfinancialengines.com slash everydaywealth. The 2022 Top 100 Independent Advisory Firm ranking issued by Barron's is qualitative and quantitative, including assets managed by the firm, technology spending, staff diversity, succession planning, and other metrics. Firms elect to participate but do not pay to be included in the ranking. Compensation is paid for use and distribution of rating. Awarded September 2022 based on data within a 12-month period. Investor experience and returns are not considered. At the intersection of life and money, this is Edelman Financial Engine's Everyday Wealth with personal finance expert, Gene Chatsky. Edelman Financial Engines has been ranked by Barron's as the number one investment advisor in the country. Now, here's Gene Chatsky. Hi, it's Gene Chatsky, and welcome to Everyday Wealth. If there is one topic that we talk about on this show more than basically anything else, it is retirement. That's because we know that that's one of the reasons that you work so hard and aim to save so much and then invest it well throughout your adult life so you can look forward to a retirement without worry. And your dream, your retirement dream may be very different from my retirement dream. Maybe you want to travel the world or move to another country. Maybe you're thinking you'll finally get that graduate degree or that puppy. Maybe you want to slow down and spend more time with friends and family and never, ever commute again. But as we all think we know now, Thanks to the volatility in the world of finance, there are things that can knock those dreams off course. There are mistakes that can be made that mean that you don't get there when you wanted to get there or for some people that you don't get there at all. And that leads to the fact that for many people, retirement in and of itself is a pretty scary topic. A 2021 study conducted by Zeti put a finger on the four biggest retirement fears. I thought I'd take just a second, count them down for you. Number four, losing a spouse. And that makes sense to me. I've watched my mother lose my father and then my stepfather. And both times she's had to refashion her life because of these incredible voids that were left. Loneliness is a terrible thing. Number three, fear of an identity crisis or being bored in retirement. I get that too. I I think it's particularly problematic, actually, for those of us who actually like what we do every day. If you don't like your work so much, it's probably not as much of a loss to leave it behind. Number two, fear of declining health with all the headlines about older people and chronic diseases, and particularly dementia, who is not afraid of that? And finally, number one on the list, running out of money in retirement. And that's the one that we are going to dig into today. And we're going to do it by talking about four big retirement risks that affect almost all of us and how to manage those risks in order to keep our goals on track. By the way, this is going to be helpful information and advice, even if you're already 
retired. And to help you better understand these risks and how to manage them, I want to welcome Rose Young to the show. Rose is a director of financial planning at Edelman Financial Engines, which is, as many of you know, a firm that has helped thousands of people achieve a comfortable retirement. Rose, great to have you here as always. Thank you, Jean. It's good to be here. So let's jump right in and tell people about these four big risks. What are they? Yeah, so the four big risks in retirement or even when you are approaching retirement are basically market risk, the risk of the market going up and down while you're retired and and how that may impact your plans. Then we have healthcare. That's the big one, right? Will you be healthy, of course, but could you afford healthcare generally uh, is is the risk. Of course, inflation, that's been a, a topic of conversation over the past year and a half. So that's a big one. Uh, but uh, like you said, running out of money by outliving your money, right? Mm-hmm. The risk of, of, of just living too long is the fourth one. I, as I think about these, I think longevity is probably the biggest on the list, although market risk may be front of mind for so many people right now because of the volatility that we're experiencing. And look, there's a good side and a bad side to longevity. I mean, I think it's great that we're all living longer and that advances in medicine and technology are going to keep on keeping on. But it raises that risk that you could run out of money in retirement. I've been watching my husband's aunt and uncle. Um, He actually just passed away, but they lived much longer than I think they ever expected to live. And it's been financially challenging. Yeah. And even with those uh, technological advances, the advances in healthcare, you don't know how many times you know, a client or prospective client sits on my desk and I'm like, okay, what happens if you live till 95? And there's this big laugh around, I'm not going to be here at 95. But what if you are, right? right? I mean, we've figured out how to keep us alive, happy and healthier, maybe the question that we have to take on next, but we definitely are, are alive, right? So then if you live long, really, the risk is outliving your money. You would plan a lot differently, if you knew you will be in retirement for only 10 years than if you are in retirement for 35 years, right? Which most people, uh, I just have to tell you, that is not an unlikely scenario. Somebody who retires at 60 could live till 95. And if they've only planned for their money to last 10 years, you're not going to want to you know, move out of your house. You're not going to want to make those big, big adjustments. We are going to talk a little bit more about longevity later in the show. We've got Ken Dykewald, who is the country's foremost expert on aging, coming by. But for now, let's address the other three and let's start with market risk. Can you define it? Yeah. So market risk basically is the risk of your IRAs or 401ks or even taxable accounts going down. And what that'll mean when it comes to your ability to retire, or if you retire, how much can you take out of your accounts? That's basically what it means. How do we protect against it? And let me specifically ask how we protect against it in years like last year. So there are uh, a few basic things that you should be doing and can do. One is making sure that you have a broadly diversified portfolio. In general, when markets are going down, not 
everything goes down at the same levels. So by making sure that you have a diversified portfolio, you can make sure that when your portfolio is going down, it doesn't go down as deep as if, if you had just one thing. And that happens to be the thing that year that went down the most, right? I mean, it makes a huge difference if you are suffering a 10 to 15% down than if you are suffering a 50% down because of your choice of investment. So that's one. The other thing is to focus on the long term. And, and I do understand that this is hard for those who are retired. You're like, Rose, my long term is becoming short term. But at the end of the day, time in investments, times in your strategy is how you smooth out those bumps within your portfolio. So still have a long-term focus when it comes to um, how you are investing. And the last one is just having, which we've said again and again, an adequate emergency fund and an adequate reserve. If a year like last year, like you mentioned, were happening and you had that recommended six to 24 months that we've said so many times, you could pause on taking monies out of your portfolio and further eroding those values and start living off of that for a little bit, allowing your portfolio a little bit of breathing room to come back. So you're talking about having a couple of years once you're in retirement of money in cash so that when and if the 2022s come along, and quite frankly, we have not seen a year like that when both stocks and bonds were down so dramatically in decades. Absolutely. Yeah. That if and when a year like that hits, you can live off your cash without having to sell into that loss. Exactly. And, and you know, that's an emergency, right? If you have to take a distribution out of your portfolio and that'll be detrimental to your future financial health, using that emergency cash is the best way to go. So we always recommend our clients to make sure that just so that they can have some sense of control. Okay, so we got a question from Jeffrey. He's a listener on this exact topic. And by the way, we love taking questions. So if you have a question for a financial planner, go to everydaywealth.com. Just scroll down the page. You will see a little light blue box. Click the button that says, ask a question, fill in your information and just send it right to me and we could read it next podcast. Jeffrey did exactly that. Here is his question. He says, Financial advisors say you should keep from six months to two years of living expenses in an emergency fund. However, in some Edelman Financial Engines model portfolios, they only keep 1% in cash, which is much less than the living expenses you say you should keep. Are these living expenses separate from the monies in the model portfolio under management? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, thank you for your question, Jeffrey. Uh, we appreciate that. And yes, your emergency cash is not in your modeled portfolio or your allocation or the way we investing on your behalf. That 1% cash is part of the broader investment strategy that we are employing for you. So your emergency fund should not be in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, or, or anything like that. So just from a tactical perspective, if people are feeling, if they're headed into retirement and they need 24 months in cash so that they have that kind of security in case things fall. How do you raise those funds? Where do you raise those funds from if you're not selling them from your investments? 
My favorite way is this way. While you are working, especially in the three to five years leading into retirement, most of us are going to spend less than that higher earning level in retirement. So the best way to do it is by training yourself to spend at the level you would in retirement. In most cases, this frees up a lot of cash. So for example, if I said I'm going to retire and spend $5,000 a month on living expenses, we have met so many times, we've always modeled $5,000 a month, and right now your net take-home income is $8,000 a month. 24 months away from retirement, we should begin to live off of $5,000 a month. This leaves us $3,000 a month we can put away and beef up our emergency fund to that 24-month period of time uh, without having to touch your longer-term investments. And so you just move it with a series of automatic transfers, get it out of checking into, these days, a high-yield savings account where it actually could earn some money. Exactly, exactly. So, so interesting. All right, this is another question. And, and here's a tough one, because we know that healthcare costs have been going up, and they've been going up really steadily, the rate of inflation. There's some research that shows that a married couple may need several hundred thousand dollars just out of pocket to pay for unreimbursed healthcare over the course of their retirement, because Medicare, although it pays for a lot, doesn't pay for everything. Healthcare is risk number two. How do you help your clients prepare for that? Well, one, make sure that it is included in your broader financial plan. A lot of people, you know, when you ask how much you think you're going to spend in retirement, will just give you the bills. Right. Well, and that several hundred thousand dollars a year, when you break it down, is really $5,000 a person a year. Exactly. Exactly. So make sure that's included in, in your broader plan. The second thing is, right now, before you retire, the best thing you can do for yourself is to set up an HSA if you have a high deductible plan available at work. And the reason for that is you can make contribution into the HSA before taxes, bank that money for later, right? And then when you are retired, you can take that money out tax-free to pay for some of those healthcare expenses. So it allows you to kind of have a whole different piggy bank just for the healthcare expenses at a very tax advantageous way. I'm a big fan of HSAs, as I think you know, but I also think they're not right for everybody. If you've got a chronic disease that you are trying to manage, oftentimes you're better off with the traditional PPO. Absolutely. So in that case where you don't have access to an HSA, how do you do the supplemental savings. You can always add it to the amount of savings you need to save. Not only you can now, but you can as the cost of healthcare goes up. As we all know, it inflates at a much higher rate than that of just, you know, groceries, gas, and things of that sort. So we make sure that in building out a plan for you, that we include health to help determine the level of savings that you need to have now. And before we started this show, Rose was telling us all about her new exercise regimen, which I think is just a little nudge. You know, one of the best things that we can do for our future healthcare expenses is to stay healthy. Absolutely. And and that's probably the one we ignore the most. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Get those steps, everybody. We got to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to talk about another risk to retirement that's on everybody's mind right now, and that is inflation. Then we'll bring Ken Dykdwald into the conversation to talk about your longevity. How long are you going to live? I don't know if you want to know. We'll be right back. 
Are you worried about the current volatility of the market, inflation rates, talk of a recession? Are you second-guessing your investment decisions? What better time than now to ensure your finances are moving forward than by getting an expert second opinion from an Edelman Financial Engines planner? Whether you already have a planner or simply need a new perspective, they can help you manage your wealth plan to both weather the volatility of the market today and help you protect and preserve it over the long term. To schedule your complimentary wealth checkup today, call 833-PLAN-EFE. That's 833-752-6333. Or visit their website at efewealthplanners.com. Put your uncertainties to rest once and for all. Schedule your complimentary wealth checkup right now. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for hanging with us. We're talking about risks to your retirement. And we're doing it with financial planner Rose Young, who is going through these risks and how to deal with them step by step. So we talked about market risk. We talked about healthcare costs. Now we got to talk about inflation. Yes, It's one of those things that you can't control. You really can't. And, and I know it is in the news a lot and it's been higher than it has been on average. But even before it was a topic of conversation, even my nine-year-old understands, inflation has always been around. So if you were doing a financial plan that didn't include costs steadily going up, you really weren't planning well. This is one of my beefs with retirement calculators in general. They make adding an inflation factor optional. Right. And many people just don't. Right. And that just throws your picture off entirely. I was looking at my projected spending in retirement just this week and the amount of money that my plan allows for me to withdraw from the time that I retire at probably late 60s for me until I'm in my late 90s, if I live that long, basically triples. No, absolutely. And it's accelerated and it's not linear, right? I mean, think of it in the way that you think about your rate of return, right? You you get some sort of an average rate of return that you want to hit. Inflation also is some sort of an average, which means that some years it will be low, some years it'll be high, but either way, it's a constant, right? Mm-hmm. So, and at the end of the day, when we are talking about inflation in retirement, what we are trying to pinpoint is at what level, at what percentage are you going to be withdrawing your money? And if your earnings are hopefully going to match that so that if you live long enough, you don't run out of money. And also, most importantly, when we're talking about inflation, you don't change your lifestyle, right? Right. Um, you know, if you are a milk drinker, you will still hopefully drink milk at 90. <laughs> so, so that, but, but that basically means that you always need to be able to afford milk, right? So weaving that into the plan in a very realistic, tangible way always has to be the way you plan moving forward, even if it's not like the topic of the day anymore. But let's put some context around this. Inflation has been running 
8%, about 8%, 7 8%. Long-term average of inflation is 3%. So how do you deal with those swings? Yeah, that's a great point. And the best way to deal with inflation generally is actually to invest in the stock market, right? Whereas the long-term average of inflation is 3%, the long-term average of the stock market is 9 to 10%. So continue to maintain your standard of living, even if you're not investing, you know, all in, in in stocks generally, but having some portion of your portfolio that is active in stocks. If you put all of these risks together, do you feel that there is the need for people to be a little bit resilient in that they can sort of go with the flow over time. Minor adjustments are always the best way. And most retirees, actually, because it's that one pot, nothing is being added to it uh, for the most part, are a little bit more aware of their spending, right? And some of their spending can also be a little bit more for the wants rather than for the needs. Let's say if traveling was part of your overall retirement plan, Did you have to travel in 2022? Maybe you can delay it. Another best one is every day is a day off. So you travel off season rather than traveling when I travel, which is in the summer and everything is expensive from that standpoint. So a lot of folks will make those adjustments, you know, in order to just make sure that their money lasts longer. And now we're going to tackle the fourth and final risk to your retirement, and that's longevity. And quite simply, this is the risk that you could outlive your money in retirement. It is very real. It is very scary. For help on this matter, I'm so happy to be able to welcome my friend, Dr. Ken Dykdwald, to the show. Over the past 40 years, he has emerged as the visionary, the most original thinker on the lifestyle and healthcare and economic and workforce implications of aging. He has written 19 books on age-related issues. This is the latest. Let me show it to all of you. It is called Radical Curiosity, One Man's Search for Cosmic Magic and a Purposeful Life, and we'll get into purpose as well. And of course, he's the founder and CEO of Age Wave, which is a think tank and consultancy focused on social and business implications of global aging and rising longevity. Ken, always such a pleasure to talk to you. Jean, it is so good to be with you. Always is. Let's just start with how retirement is different for this generation of retirees than it has been for prior generations. Yeah, let's keep in mind that for our grandmas and grandpas, if they were fortunate enough to reach retirement age, they expected a couple of years of time after work. And since work was largely physical, a chance to relax and rest, maybe take a trip, visit with the family, and then their batteries wore out. For our parents, it was a little bit more of an extended period of life. And we got to watch our moms and dads retire, not for three or four years, but often for 15 or 20. The boomers are a whole different kettle of fish. Boomers think of this as a whole new chapter in life, a time to reinvent oneself, a time to think of new things to do, maybe to relocate, make new friends, remove toxic friends from your scene. Uh, If you're widowed or divorced, maybe fall in love again. Uh, A much more aspirational, hopeful 
view of long life. But I do want to say that uh, in my own family, I'm going to tag to something you were mentioning early on. I was lucky enough to have a mom and dad who had 71 years together. Wow. But my dad was blind for his last 10 years, and my mother had Alzheimer's her last 12 years, neither of which either of them would have imagined for themselves. And I want to tell you, my dad was a diabetic, and so he imagined he would live 60 or 65 years. And he made sure he had sufficient resources to go those years and then to have our mom looked after after that. Well, my dad lived to 93. He far outlived his money. And my mom did too. And so how hard was it for him to have to take a check from me every month? He was a very proud guy, never wanted to be a burden on the family. And that's the way a lot of boomers feel. They don't ever want to be a burden on their families. But if they live longer than they have got the money for, that's exactly what's going to happen. I know that you have looked at different ways that retirees or future retirees can cope with this need to not outlive the money, ways that they can become more resilient over time, even if they suffer some health setbacks or financial setbacks. Can you talk through those? How how are people who have not perhaps saved as much as they would like managing? Well, the good news is there's lots of different things that people can do, and I'll mention just a few. First, we need to understand that one of the biggest problems is we are creating longevity. By the way, it's gone back during the COVID years, but it will continue to rise. But we don't match our health spans to our lifespans. So the average American will spend between 10 and 15 years at the end of their life with illness, with hurt, with pain, with money going out the door. So one way to be able to have a more financially secure retirement is to take better care of your health. Another reasonably easy solution, especially in this low unemployment era, is to work a bit longer. And people think, oh, no, 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 I don't want to work. Well, how would you feel about having no money at the end of your life? Maybe a couple of three extra years of work, even half time, can make a big difference in shoring up your resources. Then there's another thing that people are thinking of doing. Maybe you relocate, uh, you downsize to a maybe lesser expensive part of the area where you live, or maybe you move to a different part of the country where there's lower taxes or your money will go more of a distance. And I think that those are just some of the changes. By the way, I want to add one more. There was a science fiction show back in the 1980s. No, it was not the Flintstones. It was Golden Girls. And the idea of having... <laughs> Housemates, you know, over the age of 75, 42% of all women in America live alone. That's very expensive. And I I get the idea of having your own house and it reflects independence, which people think of as, you know, something quite important. But to have a housemate, to have a roommate, whether it's through Airbnb or whether it's having your sister or brother move in or a grandchild uh, can cut expenses and cut the need for hiring help and allow people to live their later years with more security. I've had this conversation with my best girlfriend. Uh, She came to visit us. She lives in Chicago. We live in Philadelphia. And she was very admiring of our guest room, which has a bathroom. And she was like, oh, this is this is for me. Right. This is she's divorced. She's on her own. She's like, this is for me. And it it very well might be at some point. Um, 
You know, let me say one thing. We saw the TV show Friends, and none of us thought it was odd that three gals lived in one apartment and two guys, their friends, lived across the hall. The idea of having people living together was considered normal for younger people. We're going to see that surface for people in their 60s, 70s, and 80s, and it makes a lot of sense. When we're trying to wrap our brains around preparing in the right way, many of us, I know you do, I know I do, meet with financial advisors. When you're going to have the question with a financial advisor about longevity and and about making sure that as much as possible your bases are covered, what do you need to talk about sitting in that office? Hmm. That's such a great question. But how do you engage that discussion with a financial advisor or a professional? Not a bad idea. Often financial advisors will say, you know, at what age do you want to retire and what's your tolerance for risk? They should also say, how long do you think you might live? And that's a tough question because we don't know. People have to think in terms of how long their parents lived. But our parents lived with yesterday's medicine We're going to be living with tomorrow's technological breakthroughs. Also a good idea to say, well, what if my spouse outlives me? Mm. So we know that women live about four to five years longer than men. And in the United States, if a woman is partnered with a man, he will be inclined to be two and a half years on average older than her, which means that the women will wind up caring for the man towards the end of his life. But then he passes away. She's depleted. They've spent down a lot of their money. And she's going to live another 10 years. So a responsible couple will not only ask or be asked, how long might we live? But what if one of us lives much longer? How do we make sure that we've got plans in place or the right financial instruments so that in case we're blessed with extra longevity, it's not a punishment, it's it's a gift. We don't have to find ourselves being a burden on the family or, or be going to sleep every night terrified because we don't have the resources to pay the bills. And by the way, this is not a one and done exercise. Life changes, right? And, and people have health instances or they go back to work or they start a business or something good happens. They come into a little bit of money. It all changes the calculation and you should go back and you should revisit, I think, at least once a year. You know, let me say something to that, Gene. I was captivated by Apollo 11. It was the most planned scientific expedition in human history. Yet 90% of the time, the rocket was off course. Mm. So the entire mission was one of continual course correction. And so it is with life. You may plan and think that everything's going to work out a certain way, but then you fall and you hurt your knee. Or one of your children has to move back home. Or you have a sibling, a brother and a sister who's running on hard times and you decide to help them out. Or you find that there's some new breakthrough for focus ultrasound for cancer or CRISPR, which will do away with Alzheimer's disease. And before you know it, you're living five or 10 or 20 years longer than you thought you might. So it's a continual series of course corrections and should be done with a financial advisor every year. You mentioned uh, retirees, for lack of a better word, working. And I think that there are a lot of really good reasons for that. I think it, it avoids the problem of loneliness. It keeps you connected. It keeps you engaged. I, I expect that it would keep me happier to keep one foot in the world 
of work, and there are financial benefits as well. But for some people, it's not work that does it. It's this idea that you have found a different purpose that can keep you connected and engaged and happy. Your book, Radical Curiosity, and again, let me show it to everybody, it really dives into this because you dove into it. So talk to me a little bit about purpose and how we find it. Purpose is a tricky one. Yet when we contemplate life after work, might be 25 years, not four. And there are no orientation programs. There's no good, solid, one-in-one-place book. And what I try to do in, in Radical Curiosity is one of the things that I think we all need to do when we're growing up is to take a few minutes or a few weeks or years, in my case, to try to figure out what are the lessons you've learned? What are the lessons you want to pass on to younger generations? Because studies that have been done in the last few years, my company, AgeWave, has done many of them, on purpose show that People are looking for something meaningful to do and be. Keep in mind that for the last 10 years, the average retiree in America has watched 47 hours of television a week. So we have a lot of older adults with no purpose. They're just taking up time and trying to be comfortable. People always feel better when they do a little volunteer work or when they're involved in some kind of work that may be even something different than they did in their career or they're living closer to family, or they're finding meaning in their lives. And what I try to do in Radical Curiosity is sort of gather up my life lessons for my children and one day for their children. And this whole idea of sort of making sense of your life is also one, psychologists will tell us, one of the exercises of adulthood that more and more of us should spend little time thinking about what has been our purpose. And maybe there's even a new purpose now. Um, we're seeing, you know, 75 and 80 year olds running for president. Yes. Uh, I tried to get tickets for the Springsteen tour and they were all sold out in the first 15 minutes. And he's 73, you know, Jagger just turned 80. And we saw the Academy Awards the other night and 60 and 70 and 80 year olds were kind of center stage. And so what we're seeing are new role models of men and women of maturity living their lives with purpose. And I think more and more of us have got to figure out How do we find our own and how do we meet people who can help turn us on versus just being stuck in who we used to be? In addition to all the other hats that you wear, I think you're a bit of a futurist. What impact do you think the baby boomers, the fact that we're at peak 65 next year, the year where more boomers will turn 65 than any other year, what impact is that going to have on retirement? You want to hear the good news first or the bad news first? Oh, give me the bad, and then we'll wind up on a good note. I think about a half of the boomers are not financially prepared, and I would, uh, for the length of life that's in front of them, and we have been very much a live-for-today generation, you know, be here now, which psychologically is a very cool way to live, but financially it can be a disaster. So I worry about the boomers with regard to how they're going to find themselves with limited financial resources in their later years if they stop working. On the good side, the boomers are a high-spirited bunch, particularly the women of this generation, and they have no intention of going to the sidelines. So you're going to see a more active, involved, aspirational, creative, powerful group of women and men in their 60s and 70s and 80s than the world has ever seen. 
and the marketplace will respond. There will be more interesting housing. There will be more community colleges opening their doors. There will be more health spas offering all sorts of welcoming programs for people who might have had a hip or a knee replaced. You're going to also see breakthroughs in medicine that uh, are going to blow your mind. And so these boomers are going to push markets as they have always done so, but this time from the point of view of older adults, and they're going to create new versions of wellness and new versions of possibilities for older adults. I cut a, a cover off of Time magazine a few years ago. Uh, there's a baby on the cover. He's a beautiful, cherubic baby. And the headline is, this baby could live to be 142 years old. And I saved it because it just made my stomach fall, right? I don't really want to live to be 142 years old in the way that the world is today. But I also wonder, hearing you talk about CRISPR and Alzheimer's and health breakthroughs, what's the number at this point? Well, the human lifespan is believed to be somewhere between 110 and 120. And so if we could remove disease, that's how long we'd live. And we'd live it with health. So that's the idea of it, to match your health span to your lifespan versus, you know, starting to fall apart in your 60s or 70s. However, there's a lot of energy going on in the scientific community to try to see if we can alter the biologic clock, to try to see if we could do away genetically with certain diseases, to try to see if we can find supplements. You know, there's a, there's a medicine now that will help you lose weight. There's our, our anti, there's 35 anti-aging pharmaceuticals that are waiting to come to market. And so it is entirely possible, maybe not for you or I, Gene, well, I'm older than you, but maybe you. Not by much. Certainly, certainly <laughs> our kids. In the next 15 years, there are going to be breakthroughs that could very well elevate the average life expectancy by 20 or 30 years. But then the question becomes, as you mentioned, what for? Uh, is more life a good thing? Now, first of all, more life with health, with no dementia, starts to sound better than more life with illness and suffering and pain. But then what's our purpose and how do we have the finances to go the distance and how do we make something meaningful of ourselves in our later years? I'll give you an example. Right before COVID, I uh, was speaking at a conference and the other speaker was Harrison Ford. And of course, you know, I'm a fan of his movies and he seems to be in every TV show and movie that's out right now in his late 70s. But at that point, he was talking about climate activism and he about a thousand people in the audience. And he said, we got to get all the young people of the world planting trees, save the planet. And everybody cheered. And I had a private meeting with Harrison afterward. And, you know, and after I showed respect for his movies that I enjoyed, I said to him, hey, you know, there's a billion people in the world over the age of 60 right now, and nobody has tasked them with anything. Why don't you get them planting some trees? And he looked at me and he said, Ken, I've never thought of that. And that's part of the problem. We have created longevity but we haven't created any purpose or meaning or involvement to it. And I think we've got to do some social engineering there as well. Well, Harrison Ford is my favorite, so you got me with that one. Everybody should watch Shrinking. He is the best thing in it. Right? A absolutely. And Ken, I, I could talk to you all day, but I actually have to wrap this up. Thank you so much for making us think. I really appreciate you being here. 
Always good to be with you, Jean. And a big thank you to Rose as well for sharing all of her valuable advice. I hope that you'll all take advantage of it. If you've got a question for me on this show, please go to our website at everydaywealth.com. Look for the blue Ask a Question button. Just click on it, type in your info and your question, whether it's on financial planning or retirement or taxes, whatever, we'd love to tackle it and send it my way. And be sure to subscribe to Everyday Wealth while you're there so that you never miss an episode. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Edelman Financial Engines Everyday Wealth with Gene Chatsky. Edelman Financial Engines has been ranked by Barron's as the number one investment advisor in the country. If you've missed an episode or are interested in additional personal finance topics, be sure to subscribe to the Everyday Wealth Podcast. Our podcast library offers helpful insights on topics such as tax-efficient portfolios, retirement withdrawal strategies, investing, and financial planning, to name just a few. To learn more, visit our website, everydaywealth.com, or find our show wherever you stream your favorite podcast.